0: Amen. All right. Now, we've already talked about it, but I'm going to ask you an even more pointed question. How many guys not only know what hypocrisy is, how many guys love a hypocrite? You know what I'm saying? Every day, that's your mission, Bobby. When you get out of bed, you sit there and you go, hey, i got to, I got to find as many hypocrites as possible. This is great. And surround them all around me. They make the best of friends. And How many guys do that? We're going to lay hands on you. No, the truth is, outside other than Bobby, and he's an intern, if you can believe that, uh, pray for him. Uh, Nobody likes a hypocrite, right? And it's obvious, right? Because the definition is a pretender, a deceiver, one who says one thing but does something totally different, right? We all know that. That's why we don't like, if you will, hanging out with him, okay? But I don't know if you guys have noticed or not, but when it comes to this decision, the Supreme Court decision on same-sex marriage, folks, there is a whole bunch of hypocrisy going on. And I mean a ton of it. A ton of it, okay? I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but folks... Believe it or not, we've already seen, of course, if you are here last week, how Christian businesses are being attacked, right? And how Christian churches are now being threatened with closure, and how Christian pastors and just Christians, period, not just pastors, are being jailed if you don't go along with this decision, right? Now, here's the hypocrisy. Lest you think this is not a deliberate attack on Christianity alone, if you take it other religions and their stance on this same-sex marriage issue, okay, believe it or not, folks, when they're approached to bake a cake or do whatever, they say no but the problem the hypocrisy is do you think you see this in the media no
1: let's take a look at just one example of this hypocrisy the gay rights movement has reached a breaking point once again and it's on the national stage but something is missing now if you've been following the outcry over the religious freedom restoration act the gay rights movement is furious over this law that was passed in indiana they say it'll allow christians to discriminate against them Well, shortly after the bill was passed, a reporter entered Memories Pizza in Walkerton, Indiana. They asked if they would cater a gay wedding. And just like their bakery counterpart in Lakewood, Colorado, who refused to bake a cake for a gay wedding, the O'Connor family refused the hypothetical question of catering a gay wedding. Now, with all the controversy over the issue, I thought to myself, did anyone go to a Jewish or a Muslim bakery or pizza joint and ask them, well, ask and you shall receive. What's really important is getting the picture and the writing. So it's going to be me and Benny, and uh, I want it to say Ben and Steven forever on the top, and then on the bottom it'll say, um, same sex, legal now, congratulations. But everyone keeps sending me somewhere else. They said this is what you do here. no, I don't want it. I don't, okay, well let's even say no picture, but you can write on it, Ben loves Stephen forever and have our hands maybe holding. Stephen Crowder, that's his video. It now has over 2 million views. And what's that the sound of? Well, that's the sound of the gay rights movement responding to that hidden camera video. Where is the outrage against the Muslims? shouldn't they be on the same receiving end as the Christians?
0: Uh, yeah, if you weren't being hypocritical about the issue uh, is the point. okay? But I'm telling you folks, it gets way worse than that. This hypocritical behavior is not just with other religions and they keep their mouth shut about it. It's a deliberate attack against you and I, the Christian. Okay? But this same hypocrisy is even within the homosexual community themselves. When they've been asked to make a traditional marriage cake, because you're all about tolerance, right? Guess what they said, no. And they said no repeatedly. Here's just one example, let's take a look.
2: Yes, uh, I'm just searching for a, a, a place right now where I could get a cake for our pro-traditional marriage celebration we're gonna be having in a few weeks. I was wondering if I could get a cake that says gay marriage is wrong. Uh, cakes, we do like, uh, ca- uh, pizza-sized cookies. So you guys wouldn't do it's anything... For, like,
3: like, no
4: marriage equality type of thing?
2: Well, no, it's, it's, um, it's a celebration for pro-traditional marriage, one man, one woman. And we, and we would like to have a cake or maybe even a pie or something that would say, uh, gay marriage is wrong.
3: Okay, well, we're a gay cookie shop, so I don't think that's going to work. Well, I thought you guys
2: were for equality. I mean, what about all the Christian bakeries in California that have been attacked because they refuse to make a homosexual cake?
5: Okay, we don't even make cakes. We only make cookies, and we're also a gay cookie shop.
2: Okay, would you make cookies that say gay marriage is wrong? No. Oh, so you guys aren't for equality, then?
5: We are, but it's like, why would we support something that is against what we're
3: working towards?
2: So so why would Christian bakeries be making cakes for homosexual marriages, yet you guys use the state to force them to do that? And Aaliyah speaking. Yes, uh, i searching around for a cake for uh, my pro-traditional marriage celebration that we're going to be doing soon. And I was wondering if I could get a cake that says gay marriage is wrong.
3: I apologize, but we don't support that. Why not? Because half of our staff is gay. You have a great day.
2: Yes, this is a Columbia City Bakery in Seattle, Washington. Correct. Yes, um, I'm, right now I'm just searching, searching for um, a good deal on a cake um, for our pro-traditional uh, marriage event that we're going to be doing in a few weeks. And I was wondering if I could get a cake that says gay marriage is wrong. If you can get a cake that says that, Yes. Hello?
3: Wow.
0: How come that's not on NBC, CBS, or the other sewer lines? Why isn't that being replayed over and over again? Folks, that's the tip of the iceberg. I had to way cut that down. He did much more. They all said the same thing. Absolutely not. Okay. Well, folks, I don't know about you, but uh, if ever there was a hypocritical behavior, that's got to be it, okay? Not only is when other religions say, absolutely not, we're not going to support that, not only is that not mentioned in the media, but that what you just saw from the homosexual community is not mentioned in the media. That is clear hypocrisy. And to prove, folks, it has nothing to do with so-called equality okay, it's really about the eradication of you and I, Christianity, Christians, Christian beliefs from the United States of America, and they even admit it. They even admit if we just get rid of those old-fashioned people who think with these Christian thoughts, if we just get rid of them out of our country, it'll be ours. Watch what this lady says in the media.
5: But here's, here's the point. The, the, the tipping point has been reached, and that tipping point is done, which is this is not an issue on which Republicans can win. They could a few years ago, they can't now. And even when you look at evangelical younger folks, yeah. they have moved on on this issue, too. So, you know, if we took everybody over the age of 50 and just moved them out of this country, this wouldn't be an issue
0: at all. Can I translate what she said? In the media, if we just get rid of all you dissenters, you old-fashioned people with these old-fashioned mindsets, i.e., Christian mindsets, if we deport you from the country, it's ours. Well, number one, uh, excuse me, we have not moved on, and excuse me again, we've been lied to, as we saw before. We are still in the major mega majority by landslide, twelve to one. Okay, we're being lied to on this issue and we have not moved on and it's still very concerning to us And that's why we're going to continue our study a christian response to the supreme court decision Now what we're doing is take a look at four things. I believe are pivotal if we as a nation Yes, a christian nation are going to experience revival then judgment instead of just judgment. Hello Okay, now last time we saw that there's a horrible danger with this decision of the supreme court decision I didn't say it. God did he mentioned in book of romans chapter one's it been there for 2000 years You are now headed into the third and final stage Of a society that is the same path of destruction that the roman society took Which means unless you and I get motivated and take this serious christian the majority 12 to 1, okay? We are going to be destroyed as well. I didn't say it; god did god said once you head down this route You opened up pandora's box and you think it's bad now You ain't seen nothing yet. It's going to literally get worse by the day. And you're going to see unimaginable behaviors trying to get approved of as well. And we saw last time that's exactly what is happening. We're in that third and final stage. And right now, all kinds of things that ought not to be done. Um, Within days of this ruling are now going to the courts under the same premise They want to be legalized as well things like polygamy things like pedophilia things like bestiality and on and on and on it goes I didn't say it. it's in the media But it's exactly what god said would happen Once you have the audacity to turn from me and then go and follow your shameful lusts and continue to not turn around You're going to enter into that third final stage a depraved mind and you're going to do things you ought not to do That's where we're headed Now, as we saw last time, that's why we, the majority, right now, you and I, the Christian, we need to get motivated. We need to take this serious, and we need to get busy sharing the light and love of Jesus Christ. Listen, correctly this time, not with hate, correctly this time, consistently, and of course, biblically. Why? Because we saw because the darkness, when you shine light on the darkness, what happens to the darkness? Goes away every single time. And when we shine the light and love of Jesus Christ, the darkness has no choice but to flee. The key thing is you got to do it correctly and that's what we're going to do in these final two studies hopefully get us on the correct path uh to get motivated and again as i said at the opening the first thing we got to do is we got to get rid of our hypocrisy turn to somebody say it again don't be a hypocrite okay don't be a hypocrite okay now as i said at the beginning folks uh as we saw nobody likes uh, a hypocrite Right, and I set you up nobody likes the hypocrisy that's being shown to you and I specifically as Christians Amen, you don't like that right? understandably nobody likes it. We certainly don't like it So therefore I think logically the last thing that you and I ever need to do is to become hypocrites ourselves And hypocritical in how we approach this issue as well Whether it be caving in on the issue and condoning it or keeping your mouth shut or all the above and becoming a hypocrite Or, number two, you might not cave in on this issue, but you're a hypocrite yourself in the way that you live when it comes to traditional marriage and traditional marriage values, okay? And so that's what we're going to deal with. And the first one is this big one. The reason why, folks, that we as Christians cannot go along with the homosexual movement and cave in on this issue and say it's okay and or uh, in a passive way say it's okay by keeping your mouth shut about it. I don't know about you, but I am still blown away with all due respect. And how many churches, how many pastors across our country are not dealing with this issue? How many calls do we get? How many emails? Nobody, by and large, is saying squat. And i like, well, one guy says, listen, pastor, you better wake up. That's why they put you there. You're the shepherd. You're supposed to lead, especially in times like this. This is a time of crisis. You have to speak up. You have to say something. But you can't go along with this. And it has nothing to do with, oh, you're being a hypocrite. You're being unloving. It has nothing to do with that in fact if i were to go along with this it would be the most unloving thing i could ever do to you because the bible says if you go down this route and if you are guilty of this and you refuse to repent of this and deal with it correctly through jesus the consequences are horrid how could i not say something let's take a look at what god has to say about that 1 corinthians 6 verse 9 through 11 here's what it says do you not know that the unrighteous will what you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Period. In fact, I love this. He says, Do not be deceived. Now, why would he say that? Because people are being deceived on it, just like today, right? Neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor effeminate nor homosexuals nor thieves Nor the covetous nor the drunkards nor the revilers nor the swindlers will inherit the kingdom of god Don't be deceived about it. You might not like it. You might disagree with it It doesn't change the rules. God makes the rules if you are unrepentant of this behavior. Listen, guess what? You're not going Balk at it kick at it scratch at it, all you want You're not going to the kingdom of god Okay, such were some of you that's the key phrase there, but you were washed you were sanctified You were justified in the name of the lord jesus christ and in the spirit of our god now folks This is just one passage, uh, of many that the bible deals about homosexuality It clearly is a sin. We saw that last week with romans chapter 1 We haven't even gotten to the other ones lord willing that will be next time Okay, but here we have in 1 corinthians 6 9 clearly says Homosexuality is not just a sin But it's mentioned right smack dab in the middle of a list of a whole bunch of sins that are clearly not approved of by god Can we agree on that you don't just take one sin out of a list of sins and say somehow this is okay That's not how you interpret the scripture. It's not even logical Okay, so the bible clearly says this is sin. In fact, the bible gives a warning If you don't repent of these sins not just homosexuality, but the whole list there If you don't repent of these sins, okay, you are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. How many guys would say that's kind of a mm, big issue? (laughs) Yeah, we'll see that in a second, okay? Now, that does not mean, read the context, that if you ever commit one of these sins on this list, that you'll never make it to the kingdom of God, even the sin of homosexuality. That's not what the context is talking about there, okay, at all. If that were the case, then none of us would get there because every one of us, according to that list, has committed at least one of them. How many guys have ever lied? How many committed idol- idolatry? You're taking something without permission. Yeah. So if you're going to take one list, one sin, and pull it out and say, that's the unpardonable sin, like the church has done in the past with homosexuality. Wrong. Then you better be honest with the rest of them. Then you say, if that's how you're supposed to interpret that passage, then nobody's getting to heaven. Homosexuality, folks, does not keep you out of heaven. The point of the passage is, undealt with sin does. You get it? undealt with sin does refusing to turn to jesus christ and turn away from your sins repent of them you acknowledge it was wrong you're asking for the forgiveness of your sins you're not justifying you're owning up to it just like all the other sins mentioned there and that's the key word that he uses there's such were some of you what does that mean that means you're not doing it anymore as a way of life doesn't mean you'll never be tempted anybody ever been tempted of sins since you got saved those of you who didn't raise your hand you just committed a sin called lying You're not going to the kingdom of God, no. No, such were somebody. So you admit it. It's not a way of life. doesn't mean you'll never be tempted. But the point is you're not approving it. You're not acting like it's no big deal. You're not saying it's okay now. No, you're still acknowledging as a sin, as well as, again, all the sins that are mentioned in that list. You can't just pull one out. And by the Spirit of God, he says there's such were some of you. Now by the Spirit of God, you are refraining from that sin. To live a life that is holy and pleasing to God because you're thankful that he's forgiven you of all your sins. Amen That's the point of the passage Homosexuality is not the unpardonable sin And I bring this up because folks I believe part what I've seen over the last 20 years Is this is part of the reason why we're in the mess that we're in? This attitude the way people have approached this issue homosexuality in the past in the church Is giving people the false impression that if you commit this sin you're doomed. There's no hope that's a lie from the pit of hell The passage is telling us this all sin is sin whether it's homosexuality. Yes Whether it's lying stealing adultery fornication sex outside of marriage is what that's talking about If it's not dealt with appropriately through jesus christ If you do not own up to it, if you don't turn from it turn to the cross of jesus christ admit that it was wrong You're not going to the kingdom of god. Don't be deceived Don't be deceived That's the point of the passage which means and this is what I think sometimes we Christians also shy away from. Can I translate? Why is, why is this so serious? Why is Paul saying, listen, listen this isn't just some theological treatise. This isn't just something important to believe in. And once again, check on the right thing on Tom's membership class so I can be baptized. Why, why do he say, oh, don't be deceived on this? Because, folks, he said you're not going to the kingdom of God. Now, can I flip that around for you? What does it mean, folks, not to go to the kingdom of God? you're going to hell. And folks, let's remind ourselves why hell is one place you don't ever wanna be,
4: scripturally. Let's take a look at that. Contrary to the father of lies though, God's word describes hell as a place where God pours out his wrath upon the wicked. God's word declares, but because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render every man according to his deeds. There will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil. God's word speaks of a certain terrifying expectation of judgment and of raging fire which consumes the enemies of God. Severe punishment, for we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Will help be a good time? Contrary to the father of lies, hell will not be a place of friendship and rock music, but of misery and darkness and isolation. The only thing you will hear from others are their cries of torment. Jesus Christ warned the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Bible speaks of the wicked for whom the black darkness has been reserved. Contrary to Sting's video, God's word declares that there is no rest for the wicked in hell. The book of Revelation states, And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. They have no rest day and night. Jesus said of the day of judgment, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. God's Word says that He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power.
0: what he means don't be deceived you will not go to the kingdom of God you will go there now can I tell you something this is why as a born-again Christian as a follower of Jesus Christ I cannot I cannot go along with the Supreme Court decision it's not because I hate people are you kidding me it's because the consequences It's because I love them. I wouldn't want my worst enemy ever to go there. And I love them enough, just like Jesus did with me. I love them enough to tell them the truth about the dangers. It's not about baking a cake. It's not about taking a photo, because that's what people say. Oh, you Christians, you're a bunch of hypocrites. What's the big deal? You're making a big deal over a cake. Just bake them a cake. I can't bake a cake. I cannot. Don't ask me to bake something that is a celebratory cake. That is celebrating an unrepentant behavior that is leading people there. I can't do that. That would be the most horrible, unloving, hypocritical thing that I could ever do. I'll bake you a cake uh, for your birthday. I'll bake one for your promotion. You win that basketball tournament, I'll make you two cakes. (laughs) But don't ask me to bake a cake or a celebratory photo of something that the scripture says, if you don't repent and if you don't get right with Jesus Christ, you are headed I refuse. I can't do it. And yet this is what blows me away. Churches today think they're being more Christian than the rest of us who refuse to encourage people in that path. They, they, they give the premise that you and I are doing something wrong. They actually twist around saying, no, 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 we're being the hypocritical ones. We're being the unloving ones. Many people today in the church professing Christians are sliding on this issue. and They're not just keeping their mouths shut about it, which can I say something? The fact that you don't say something about it is just as bad if you were to say it was okay. You can only keep your mouth shut about it. But the church is now approving this, and they're joining in the celebration of our fellow mankind going to that place. This is gross. This is the most unloving, hypocritical thing. The church could ever do the followers of jesus christ are you kidding me let's take a look at some of that example christian book publishers are now printing and supporting pro-lesbian gay bisexual and transgender books christians it is our job to point people away from that place excuse me The United Church of Christ with its 5,100 churches across America is now supporting the ninth annual Gay Games in Ohio. They're supporting that. The United Methodist Church is granting same-sex benefits to its employees involved in same-sex marriages. This is not the world. This is the so-called church. Okay, the baptist church in kentucky you think man is about as evangelical as you can get They're now sliding holding gay weddings in their church. Tony Campolo just came out a christian leader author He has not like quote changed his stance on homosexuality Can I tell you something just because you change your stance on homosexuality does not mean god did He changed his stance on it and now he's even come out and said quote a new day is dawning in christianity Did you know the bible has a word for that it's called apostasy? Where he hopes that all his fellow Christians lovingly welcome all gay and lesbians in the church. I have concluded, he said, that sexual orientation is almost never a choice. That's not true. And I have seen how damaging, listen, how damaging it can be to try to cure someone from being gay. What? What did we just read in 1 Corinthians? Don't be deceived. Warn people. Let them know the truth. Turn from this. Repent from this. As well as the other sins that's now damaging what how twisted it has become an Episcopal Church now officially joined the Presbyterian Church and the United Church of Christ in becoming another mainline denomination to embrace gay marriage rights and is now officially acts man and woman specifically from their institution of marriage clause in their canon rewriting it completely A Southern Baptist church, uh, Southern Baptist pastor, Danny Cortez from L.A., recently announced his change of mind on homosexuality and same-sex relationships. He acknowledged that his change of heart puts him at odds with the SBC's confession of faith. Uh, yeah. But the church voted uh, not to dismiss him and instead become a third-way church. Can I tell you, that's trying to wrap Christianese around the biblical word apostasy. Third way, there's only one way. Okay, hello. Soon after, he was invited to attend a gay pride reception at the White House with President Obama, and later he wrote in a letter, this is a huge step for a Southern Baptist church. Yeah, it is. Folks, we cannot slide on this issue, not because we're being hypocrites, but because of the horrible consequences. That's one of the most unloving things that pastor could ever do to his congregation, to his own son, who was involved in this relationship. That's, that's what, what happening. And speaking of huge steps, for the first time in history, a national Christian denomination, the United Church of Christ, is suing the state of North Carolina to allow gay marriage. They weren't even waiting for the Supreme Court. The church was suing them, if you can believe that. Another first in the Church of England, they're now considering a transgender baptism service to bless into God's family the new identities of Christians who've undergone gender transition. Okay, and recently the National uh, Cathedral uh, in Washington not only hosted its first transgender priest celebrating LGBT month, but Gary Hall, the chief ecclesiastical leader and executive officer of the National Cathedral, said, listen, homophobia and heterosexism traditional marriage is a sin. Watch this.
1: If the Washington National Cathedral's recent decision to celebrate same sex marriages, didn't make their stance on the LGBT community clear, then Reverend Gary Hall's statements during his Sunday sermon definitely should. Hall told congregants on Sunday that the church must, quote, have the courage to call homophobia and heterosexism what they are, a sin. The Reverend also called the church's role in oppressing the LGBT community shameful.
3: It's wisdom the church came to its senses over time and labeled both racism and sexism as sinful. And now we find ourselves at this last barrier about human identity. You can call that barrier homophobia. You can call that barrier heterosexism. But we must now have the courage to take the final step and to call homophobia and heterosexism what they are. They are sin. Homophobia is a sin. Heterosexism is a sin. Shaming people for whom they love is a sin. Shaming people because their gender identity does not fit neatly into your sense of what it should be is a sin.
0: Excuse me? I expect that from the world. They don't know better but he actually just said it's not my standard i'm not making up the rules who makes the rules god he just said in the church god's standard is a sin now i want to bring this out and i want to bring it out graphically because we don't get this these people sit there and they say oh see we're the loving ones We're an inclusive church. We're a third-way church. We're all this new kind of church. We're the real ones who love people just like Jesus. And then you and I are the bad ones. When in reality, what you're doing is you're shaking somebody's hand. You're patting them on the back as they go here. would say that if your pastor every week got up there in the pulpit and he encouraged you to go there, you kind of (laughs) leave. Folks, that's what these people are doing. I can't celebrate that future. I can't go along with that. That's the most unloving, unchristian, ungodly, sinful, rotten, horrible thing I could ever do as a Christian. You're supposed to be a Christian. You're supposed to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You're supposed to love people like Jesus Christ, listen, who love them enough to tell them the truth about the dangers of sin and if you don't repent, where you're going. Because of that truth of the penalty of sin, hell, he loved them enough to tell them the truth. That's Christian love. That's loving like Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus has choice words for those who keep their mouth shut on sin and are just more concerned about getting another convert and adding a number to the role listen to what jesus says about those people and how you're supposed to handle sin uh period okay here's what he says matthew 5 29 if your right eye causes you to sin what do you do gouge it out and throw it away now as we go through this jesus is not he's using what's called a hyperbole he's not literally saying oh you know what he's what he's the point is he's using exaggeration to make a point he's saying this is serious You have to take this serious sin is serious sin destroys So if you smell sin see sin if it's just the very first sign of it get rid of it now Radical surgery Right, that's what Jesus saying. So that's what he says Why because if you don't deal with sin properly if you don't go through Jesus Christ if you don't repent of your sin If you don't trust in the work of Jesus Christ, listen He says what man? It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into where? Hell who's talking here? Jesus okay he says if your hand caused you to sin cut it off It's better for you to enter life maimed than two hands and go into hell where the fire never goes out If your foot caused you to sin cut that thing off too It's better for you to enter life crippled than have two feet and be thrown into hell What's jesus saying sin is serious and if you don't do it right and if you don't repent of it correctly and if you don't go through jesus christ you're going to Hell you better deal with sin now here's what he says about people who keep their mouth shut about it Not just homosexuality A sin, period. You're just worried about getting another convert. You know, it's all about numbers. Here's what he says. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when he becomes one, you make him twice as much the son of what? Twice as much the son of hell as you are, you snakes, you brood of vipers. How will you escape being condemned to hell? What's he saying there? I mean, these people are religious. They wear robes. They might even have a degree. They do religious stuff. Well, maybe that's the problem. Only God knows the heart, but maybe this is the proof that you're a fake because you refuse to do what God says to do and you actually condone what he says not to do. And you're going to hell too because you're deceived as well. Do not be deceived. Okay? How in the world the point is could you call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ who loved people enough to die for all their sins to warn them about the dangers of going to hell? That's why he went to the cross so we wouldn't have to go there. And you actually say nothing about sin or you go along with sin. That's the most unloving, hypocritical thing I could ever do. It is because I love my neighbor that I have to, in love, tell them of the danger that Jesus warned about. But that's only half the hypocrisy we got to deal with. Here's the other half, okay? Now, we sit there, we'll say, Oh, yeah, that's right, Pastor Billy, get those people. Those apostates. Because we're evangelical. We'd never go along with this kind of crazy hypocrisy. We wouldn't cave in on this issue. No, re You sit there and you say... You're for traditional marriage, and you sit there and you say, Hey, we need to get united as Christians. We need to pray. We need to preach God's word. we got to shine His light in the darkness. I get that, Pastor. You sit there and you say that you're for that which is right, but you're living completely that which is wrong. You're a hypocrite like this girl. Let's take a look.
2: Nobody in my family is a Christian.
5: I'm sorry about that. Have you tried talking to them?
2: Yeah, I was going to tell my sister about Jesus one time, and she was downstairs using the computer. So I went down and I was going to tell her about Jesus, but all that came out was, can I
3: use the computer?
5: I have a Bible verse about that. Would you like me to go get it?
3: Yeah, that'd be a great help.
5: Adrian! Did you hear that Kevin just wrecked a brand new Honda? No, Oh, man, he had it coming! I knew this was going to happen! He so deserved it. He's a terrible driver. He is f***ing awful. I think it's a bunch of cr- he bought that car. All he did was talk about that car all the time. It was ridiculous. I'm glad.
1: I hear you on that one, uh uh-huh.
5: Well, anyway, I have that Bible verse for you. 2 Timothy 4.2. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction.
2: Okay. (laughs)
0: okay is right what hey i know it's uh, still kind of early folks but how many guys would say that girl's being a slight bit of a hypocrite okay just a little bit okay preaching god's word on the one hand but you're cussing like a sailor on the other excuse me here's the point are we not doing the same thing as evangelical christians when we say we need to take a stand on the Supreme Court decision, we need to stand up for traditional marriage and traditional marriage values, and we don't even do them ourselves. For instance, we'll sit here and we'll say, Oh, yeah, we need to pray. Pastor be like, got it. That's what 2 Chronicles 7.14 says. If my people will humble themselves and pray, we need to pray for revival. We need to get together. We need to have prayer meetings. We've got to do all this stuff. We've got to ask God to intercede and help our needs. We need but you never pray.
5: No." Oh man, he had it coming. I knew this was going to happen. He is fing awful. I think it's a bunch of c when he bought that car. I hear you on that one,
0: huh? Why oh, are you a hypocrite? 20% of professing Christians never pray, 80% never go to a prayer meeting. Yeah, we're going to win this thing festival. I'll tell you what, we're motivated now. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. You sit there and you stand. Hey, no, no, okay. Yeah, get got me on that one fast. Uh, the afraid thing. Okay, but we need to stand on the God, word of God. We need to stand on the Bible. I mean, the Bible, it's our final rule of faith and practice. That's another thing that I check off on that membership class, right? Hey, we got to stand on God's word. We got to hold fast to it. But you don't even pick up the Bible yourself. Can I tell you what you're being? You're being like this girl.
5: No, oh, man, he had it coming. I knew this was going to happen. He is awful. I think it's a bunch of Somebody bought
0: that car. I hear you on that one, huh <laughs> you do regret Folks, here's the facts. 25% of professing Christians never read the Bible. Never. 50% never go to Sunday school. 50% say there is no absolute truth. Excuse me, why do we even have a Bible? 55% say the Bible has errors in it. 93% of professing Christians no longer have a biblical worldview, which means, guess what? You don't even know what the Word of God says. And then you're going to sit there and shout to the world, yeah, do the Word of God. You're a hypocrite. You're a hypocrite. Or you sit there and say, hey, we need to stick together as Christians, man. We gotta get united, man. We gotta get united in the city. We gotta spend time together. We gotta hang out together. We gotta fellowship with that. But you violate the scripture because you refuse to hang out with the brethren of the church. The scripture says, don't you do that. Why? Because you're acting like this girl.
5: No! Oh man, he had it coming. I knew this was gonna happen. He is awful. I think it's a bunch of crap but he bought that car. I hear you on that one, huh?
0: of reported church members can't even be found. But you're a member of a church. 30% of church members don't even attend church services. 58% don't have being active in a local church as their top goal in life. 75% of professing Christians are never engaged in any church activity. Oh, yeah, we're united. We're going to win on this issue. Yeah, there's hope yet. No, there's not. Because we're being hypocrites. We say one thing. We say amen to the preacher. Yeah. And we go home and we do something else. Finally, you sit there and you say, oh yeah, I get it, Pastor Billy. I got it that first sermon you preached on. We need to share the gospel. I got it now. We made the mistake for the last 20 years. We put all of our eggs in the basket. We're thinking it's a political savior. If we just vote in the right person in office, that's what's going to turn the country around. I get it. That's hopeless. That's crazy. That's the same mistake that the Israelites made at Jesus' first coming. They rejected him, the spiritual savior. They wanted a political savior to save them from the Romans. I got it. We made the mistake. We've got to get busy sharing the gospel. It's Jesus Christ alone that we have to preach. That's what's going to turn our nation around. But you never witness. No.
5: Oh, man, he had it coming. I knew this was going to happen. He is f***ing awful. I think it's a bunch of
1: he c- about that car. I hear you on that one, huh
5: 40%
2: of
0: professing Christians never give to any cause, including the needs to share the gospel. 47% don't have a commitment to the Christian faith as a top priority in life. 70% never give to missions. 95% of professing Christians their whole Christian life, their whole time here on earth have never once led a soul to Jesus Christ. We got to get rid of our own hypocrisy. Oh yeah, maybe we're not sliding on that immoral issue. Like apostate church. But we got to get rid of our own hypocrisy if there's ever going to be revival for our nation. And by the way, as we close, whatever you do, please don't do this one. Please don't do this one. Don't be a hypocrite, the biggest one of all, on this issue. And sit there and say you support traditional marriage, you're against same-sex marriage movement, and, and you don't even follow traditional marriage values yourselves. You say it's between a man and a woman, you say it's all about a solid commitment, you say it's about marriage, but you violate God's commandment, and instead you test the waters, and you cheat, and you commit fornication, sex outside of marriage, or you cohabitate before you get married. Do you recall what was the first sin mentioned on that list that mentioned homosexuality? That says don't be deceived? Fornication. You know what fornication is? Any kind of sexual activity outside of marriage. Number one on the list. Homosexuality was down the list. Number one on the list. Don't you ever do that. Don't be deceived. In fact, don't be deceived. God has choice words for that. Christian, we cannot fool ourselves on this. You don't get to have your cake and eat it too. You don't get to drive around a car for free for two years before you make a commitment to buy it. You don't get to live in a house for five years for free without ever having to pay mortgage. It doesn't work that way. And it doesn't work that way for traditional biblical marriage. Marriage and all the things that come with it, including living together, including that intimacy, does not come until you get married. I didn't say that. God did. Listen, here's just a few passages on. John chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. Jesus speaking, by the way, said, Go and get your husband, Jesus told her, the woman at the well. And she says, I don't have a husband. The woman replied, and Jesus said, Yeah, you're right. He knows all things. Can I repeat that? Jesus knows all things. Yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're what? Living with. Question, did Jesus condone her life saw it, or call her on the carpet for it? He's not blessing that. That's outside the marriage. And Hebrews 13, marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. 1 Corinthians 6, 18-19, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He's right there with you when you're doing this. That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you receive from God, you are not your own. This isn't your body, it's God's now. What are you doing? First Thessalonians 4, 3-5. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That means set apart for him. That you should avoid sexual immorality. That is, each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not impassionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. And that in this matter, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. Ladies, you're being taken advantage of by a guy if he tricks you into doing this. He doesn't come in your house. He doesn't get to enjoy anything until you get married. And until you maintain that biblical standard, you'll be treated as such. And finally, the scripture says, 1 Thessalonians 5.22, in fact, here's, here's the standard. Here's God says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. In other words, you and I as Christians should be living such holy, godly, exampled lives that we don't even flirt with sin. We don't even go here. We don't even give the appearance that we're married to other people who might come to the wrong conclusion when we're not. You're lying. Listen, it is a sin that should be avoided, listen, just like homosexuality. You get it? See, that's our problem. We categorize it. Oh, that's not was the first one on the list there? Fornication. And then down the list, yes, homosexuality. Don't even go there. In fact, folks, if you don't want to listen to God, which I don't recommend, even secular researchers admit this is the one of the worst damaging things you could ever do to your relationship that you say you really care about. This is what the secular researchers say about living together before marriage. Cohabitation or living together prior to marriage in the U.S. has increased more than 1,500%. Okay, more than 60% of all ma- marriages now are preceded by cohabitation or living together. Nearly half of 20-somethings actually said this, you would only marry someone if he or she agreed to live together with you first so that you could, quote, find out whether you really get along. Uh, about two-thirds said they believe that, quote, moving in together before marriage was a good way to avoid a divorce. That's what they say, but the question is, well, wait a second, did God get it wrong? No, secular research. Couples who lived together before marriage and especially before an engagement or otherwise clear commitment tend to be less satisfied with their marriages. Couples who live together before marriage are more likely to divorce and more open to divorce than couples who do not live together. If you couldn't trust them before, what makes you think you're going to trust them after? If they wouldn't commit to you and say, Saul, before? Secular research. Women are more likely to view living together as a step towards marriage. Uh Uh-uh, ladies, you're being fooled. Men are more likely to see it as a way to test a relationship or postpone commitment. He's using you. Can I give you the crone translation? Dump them. And go find yourself a godly biblical man. Okay? The more months couples live together, the less enthusiastic they are about marriage, let alone raising a family. Annual rates of depression among couples that live together are more than three times what they are for married couples, and the level of depression rose with the length that they remained unmarried. Couples who lived together prior to marriage report lower levels of happiness, lower levels of sexual satisfaction, poor communication, and poor relationships with their moms and dads, duh. The longer couples live together marrying, the more they were likely to resort to heated arguments, fights, aggression, disagreements, hitting, and violence when conflicts arose. with live-in relationships are more likely to suffer physical and sexual abuse than married women. Women who have live-in relationships are nine times more likely to be killed by their partner than married women. But what about the kids? Isn't that what they to say? It's just the best thing for the kids. No, it's not. Watch this. Research reveals that commitment and stability are at the core of a child's needs. Get that? Cohabitation is not that. The greatest two things they need are absent in that reality there. okay. Yet, 40% of all kids in the United States now spend time in cohabitating households. A 2011 report indicated that children in cohabitating households are more likely to suffer from a range of emotional, social problems such as drug use, depression, dropping out of high school, behavior problems, lower academic performance compared to children of n married families, okay? And children living in cohabitating households are eight times more likely to be harmed than children living with married biological parents. In fact, the most unsafe family environment for children is now in which the mother lives with her boyfriend. Listen to this. And that's why every empirical study indicates that living together does not produce healthier, happier marriages or children, but the contrary. Can I translate that for you? God had it right the whole time. Who's to blame? Watch this. Studies have shown that part of the reason why we see this massive rise for cohabitation, living together, is the church's failure. Who's the church's failure in teaching the truth about sexuality and marriage? Oh, you might talk about homosexuality, but will you talk about the thing that was first on the list? It's the church's fault. The evangelical church. Oh, what do you, is, that, is that the game you're playing? You pick a sin and talk about that, but you won't talk about all sin when all sin, if it's not dealt with correctly as we already saw in repentance th- through Jesus Christ, what, what are you doing? Excuse me? L- let me flip it around one last time. All sin is sin. The sin of homosexuality, if it's not dealt with, correctly, in repentance to Jesus Christ. You're not going to the kingdom of God. You're going to hell. The first one on the list is true as well. The sin of fornication. If it's not dealt with correctly, you're not going to heaven. You're going to hell. Which means even the churches who will take a stand against homosexuality, but you won't take a stance on this. You know what even you were doing as a church? You were patting people on the back as they go here. Here. no wonder he started that passage off don't be deceived about any sin that is not owned up to that is not repented and come to Jesus Christ if you haven't truly done that I don't know your heart you're going there Don't be deceived. It's because I love you as a Christian that I have to say this. If I, as a Christian period, let alone as a Christian pastor, kept my mouth shut, that's the sickest, horrible, rottenest, hypocritical thing I could ever do. If we're going to experience revival, then judgment, instead of just judgment, we have to get rid of our own hypocrisy church. And the reason why is because this is what God says you need to do as the final thing, if He's going to come and heal our land. Second Chronicle 7:14, "If my people who the world? No, we saw this before. The church, if my people, God's people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves, are you humble enough? Are you humble enough with the status of our country, of what's going on, the decisions that are being made? Are things messed up enough for you? If you humble yourselves, then what? Be a hypocrite and say, we need to pray, but you never pray like we just talked about? No. If you get serious this time and pray and seek God's face, seek fellowship with other Christians, get attended to Bible study, read the Bible yourself, let other people know about Jesus. If you will pray, if you'll seek his face, and what? Turn from your own wicked ways. Here's the good news. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive your sin my sin and I'll heal your land. If we don't do this fourth one, church, and if we keep being hypocrites, either condoning this issue and going along with it or saying we don't go along with it but we don't even uphold that which we say we're for, God will not heal our land. Now you want as we close, you, you you might be thinking there's no way, Pastor Billy. I know that's what the Bible says. That was the Old Testament, that was Israel, and we're just too far gone. It's been brought up many times before. Look at Nineveh. How wicked was Nineveh. They responded. It could happen to us. Now, see, you think that it never could happen, but see, folks, it's already happened. See, this is another thing we're not being told you get it? It's already happened to another nation. The president of Uganda recently dedicated the nation back to God. This really happened. You don't want to hear about it in the media. Of course not. They don't want you to find this out and be encouraged. But if we really do what God says to do, yes, America could turn around. Listen to what he did. This is recently. President Yoweri uh, Museveni celebrated Uganda's 50th anniversary independence from Britain at the national jubilee prayers event by publicly what. Repenting of his personal sin and the sins of the nation. Watch this. He said, quote, I stand here today and close the evil past and especially in the last 50 years of our national leadership history and at the threshold of a new dispensation in the life of this nation. I stand here on my own behalf, on behalf of my predecessors to repent. God, we ask for your forgiveness. We confess these sins which have greatly hampered our national cohesion and delayed our political, social, and economic transformation. We confess the sins of idolatry and witchcraft which are rampant in our land we confess the sins of shedding innocent blood like abortion sins of political hypocrisy dishonesty intrigue and betrayal forgive us God of the sins of pride and tribalism and sectarianism sins of laziness indifference and irresponsibility sins of corruption and bribery that have eroded our national resources sins of sexual immorality yes drunkenness and debauchery sins of unforgiveness and bitterness and hatred and revenge sins of injustice oppression exploitation sins of rebellion Insubordination strife and conflict and then he dedicated the nation to God saying quote. We want you God We dedicate this nation to you so that you will be our God and our guide We want Uganda to be known as a nation that fears God and as a nation whose foundations are firmly rooted in Righteousness and justice to fulfill Psalm 33 12, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord a people you have chosen as your own that really happened to a president of a nation And dare I say that could be ours That could be our president. Oh, it's student. No! Never underestimate the power of God. If my people, not the world, if we get it wrong again, guys, it's doom. If my people will humble themselves, if you will stop me, please, and really pray this time, and keep it up. And seek his face. Our attendance should be exploding. Why don't we have the same attendance on Wednesday nights as Sunday? Something's wrong. I don't think I do that bad of a job on Wednesdays. (laughs) And if we'll stop being hypocrites ourselves and turn from our wicked ways, folks, I'm not making this up. This is so stinking encouraging to me. God is still on the throne. That could be our president dedicating the United States back to Jesus Christ, being born again himself, repenting of his own sins as well. We got to do it right this time. If there's any hope, amen? Lord willing, next week, we're going to deal with the final skeptical questions. Maybe you've heard of them. Homosexuality isn't even really technically mentioned in the Bible. Your interpretation of these passages are wrong. What about shellfish? That's an abomination to... What about this? What about what love is love? What's the big deal if two people love each? Lord willing, we'll deal with that. Lord willing, next week. But first, we had to get rid of our hypocrisy, if revival is going to come. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Well, hi. This is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question: If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, Our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, Thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God
1: bless. Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bkrone at or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.